Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. It's a Monday. That means Father Charles Murr is stepping up to the plate and reporting for duty. <laughs> All right, Father Murr, thanks again for joining us here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for having me, Terry. Are you kidding me? You know that. It's, it's my, I, got, I, had, I had phone calls at about 4.30 this morning from Canada, guys going, man, I just love the show. You guys are firing me up. I said, well, what time is it there? Oh, uh, it's about 7.30. I said, well, I'm glad you're fired up because I just woke up. <laughs> now, Was that subtle enough for him? Yeah. <laughs> I just love having fun with our listeners because you know what, Father? They're very informative. They, I have to tell you, the bishop out in Africa, his name is Bishop Martin uh, Tubuka. We took a clip last week. Uh, I just listened to him. Okay. Just listened to yep. him yesterday. Yep. Yeah. Well, we took the clip. We played it on our show last week. We put it on YouTube. I think we're at 150,000 views right now. Yeah. Why? I'm, I'm going to tell you why, Bishop uh, Father Murr. The man spoke with love and devotion. You can you can call, you can call me Bishop. That's all right. Yeah, if you're a bishop, man, I <laughs> if I was in management, yes, no, you please. could be a, a bishop. But I tell you what, Father, it's probably better at your point right now. God's got you where you're at as a priest sharing the gospel. But um, the point I'm making is when we see bishops speak out for the faith, it really inspires laymen. And I would imagine it does the same thing to you, Father Murray. Is it? Yes, it does. Okay. Of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. Because we, we know we, we know that, that if the, the rank above us, yeah. which are our bishops, yes. would do something, yeah. would speak, yes. would clarify things, it would be great. Well, yeah. I have to say, Bishop Joseph Strickland, who's now doing two week, two shows a week with very MPR, and hopefully even more, he said to me uh, this. He said, well, he said it to me and to others. He said, I tell my brother bishops one thing, just say no. And I said, well, in regards to the Pope's letter for blessing homosexual unions, supposedly. Okay, so here's the point. He said that like 90 minutes after the document came out. And I think... Bishops are starting to get a pickup on that because you've got many bishops in Africa, which I hope one of those cardinals will become the next pope. Uh, Asia, uh, all over the oh, world. Oh, Terry, Europe. Terry, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be sensational? I'm serious. I, Father, I'm praying for it. Jesse and I oh. were just talking about. Can you imagine having an African bishop? Uh, it would be magnificent. And he would just clean. I would say, you know what, guys, let's get back to being first century Christians and knock off this. And, and you know what, Father, I have to tell you something. Before we get in to our show with Bishop Sheen and all of other things, I, I saw a quote from Bishop Sheen that I saw, I want to say, 30, 40 years ago. And I never really played the connection as well to, as now. He said this. He said, if I were not a Catholic and I was looking for the true church in the world today, here's what he said. I would look for the one church which did not get along well with the world. He said... In other words, right. I would look for the church which the world hates. Now, I know you've heard that quote years ago, too. But Father Murr, hey, can I tell it you? Only makes, it only makes, Terry, it makes, the most, it makes the most common sense in the world. Because if you're going, if you're going to be something, yeah. right, yeah. and that something already exists, yeah. well, why would you leave anything to get to it? Exactly. The point is that the church has always been opposed to what exists. To the to the order of the world, that's why that's why we join it because we know that this isn't working. Right. Look, just take the just take the kingship, just take the kingship of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that feast. Right. When when we understand that He's the King of the whole world, that yeah. He's the King of 
and the, then we get it. Then we get it. <laughs> exactly. The world is never get that. So we leave the world to to come to a better understanding. That's that's why the church is here. Yeah. The problem, our our problem, Terry, and you know it very well, yeah. is that there seems less and less a difference between the world and the church. That you that's just you, you nailed it when you just said that, and this is why I say today that. Um, we need to pray for our leaders that they will turn back. And I mean back, not to the world, but to turn back to Jesus Christ and be contrary to the world. Our scriptures are all filled with that. Jesus said that if, you know, you're against me, if you're with me, you're against me. I mean, the, the point I'm trying to convey here, Father Murr, is right now the church has on the same page on way too many moral issues. Like, for example, uh, this issue on same-sex unions, okay, so-called same-sex unions. We want to reach out to the homosexual community in a way that compromises our Catholic faith. Why can't we just say to anyone, whether they're a fornicator, adulterer, active homosexual, whoever is going against the commandments of God, repent and believe in the gospel. Is it that hard to say? Because I mean, I'm just saying, it's it easy, quite easy. I know, but, but why are we so offended by telling people what Jesus Christ told us 2,000 years because- ago? I, I, I hear you, and I'll and I'll tell you what I think on that. I want to answer hear. that. I want to hear because because we have a political agenda in ah. the Catholic Church, and that's the problem. Fact. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem, and this is what's this is what is the motivation be, behind a lot of things because we're we're globalists. We're supposed <laughs> ironically, ironically, we are supposed to be Catholics, yeah. universalists not globalists yeah right but we are all we are the the officialdom is all absolutely cozy with globalism and that's what they're pushing for this is why this is why i don't think people realize the stance yes. that the catholic bishops of africa have taken how serious a stance it is a stand that they've taken why do i say that Tell us. because they're giving up billions of dollars yep. from the West yep, that's right. to hold on to these beliefs. I, I can't I can't tell you how, how how much I admire somebody who would walk away or someones, those bishops, who would turn turn away from the billions of dollars that the West wants to give them so that they can become as corrupt as we are in favor of Christ. That's uh, it's amazing. And I don't think people are, are fully aware of that. This is not just a political stance. It's not a, just a, 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 a religious stance right. of, that they, they believe this, which it is. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But it's also costing an awful lot. And they would rather they would rather live without a lot of things than give up what is most important, which is their Catholic faith. I think it's remarkable. Well, I think really remarkable. It's a great example for me as a as a layman and also to you as a priest, but I, I see the U.S. government and all the West saying, yeah, give us, you know, we'll give you funding if you just would use contraceptives, if you just, you know, let the homosexuals come in. And I find, I find it interesting, I just said this yesterday, uh, we're talking about this moral issue. It seems like some of the governments of the world are, have more moral courage to say things that need to be said. Like, I'll give you an example. Russia. You know, yes, about the Supreme you're right. Court. Okay. You're right. You know, maybe you didn't hear about this, but the Supreme Court of Russia said, you know what? No so-called homosexual marriage. It undermines the family. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. This is Russia speaking like this. 
Where, where's Holy Mother the Church speaking about it? Where, on the right. other side, we have right. we have the Vatican saying it's not right to uh, do any kind of persecution where um, you you know they should have the same rights that other people have when it comes to family things. And I'm saying, really, that's that's not our Catholic position. And when we have secular governments speaking so clearly on this, I scratch my head and say. What's going on? Everything's turned side upside down, Father. Well, you know, there are different people in different states of life who have different privileges and different responsibilities. Yeah. Look, just in just in paying taxes. Yeah. Somebody with a family of five or seven children. Right. Pays pays less in taxes. That's right. Than I do. Yeah. Right. Is that unfair? No. Of course it's not. Of course it's not. We understand the, 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 what what great benefit it is to having a family for the yep. nation. Yep. There's something else too, Terry, that, yep. that people should stop and look at. Tell me. When they're talking about the moral goodness of contraception, for yeah. example, yeah, the moral goodness of abortion. Oh my God. The more right of all of these horrible things. Right. Just a minute. Look at all of these governments who proclaimed that 40, 30, 20 years ago. Yeah. All of a sudden. With the same authority, they're telling people to have children. Of course they are. Well, excuse me, right? <laughs> 50 years ago, it was it was it was almost sinful to have more than two children. They wanted everyone to have none. Now they want bigger families because because of why? Because of economics. Exactly. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is what I'm trying to invite listeners to think about sure. is that isn't a moral decision. That isn't a moral decision. It's a utilitarian. Of course decision. it is. Without it's, customers, it's, you're it's out of right business. when we need money and it's wrong when we don't. Exactly. I, I always say to people, who, you know what? How do you run a business without customers? You just murdered 65 million uh, yeah, babies yeah. in America in the last 50 years. How do you run? You know, there's a good example just to back what you said. I just saw the report in China. They have 1.2 billion people, but by the by the turn of the century, they're going to be down to about one. They're going to be less than half of what their population is. They can't exist with that. They can't manufacture. There's nobody to no. do the jobs. There's nobody to buy the food. No. There's no so this. And Terry and Terry, that's not taking into account a real possibility yeah. of a plague. Of course, of 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 national and international disasters. Yes. That would that could you know we forget that during during the the, the Middle Ages, half of the half of Europe population was wiped out by the Black and, Plague. And, and, and Father, you can know? I just ask you this? Because I think Saint Thomas has something on it, and I've read about this natural disasters. God, hey, when we come back, I hear the music. I I want to ask you a question about what the hand of God in many natural disasters, and I'll give you an example of one when we come back. From the Terry and Jesse. I know where you're going. You do. You know I know where well. you're going. You know me well. Terry and Jesse show. We've got Father Charles Murr with us. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. Thanks. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. I don't know about you folks, but I love being with Father Charles Murray. I'll tell you why. It's not the way he parts his hair, because he parts it the same way I do. It's because he loves Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And to me, uh, that's it. That's it. His love for God. It's infectious. Father, 
I'm going to ask you a theological question because we're talking about uh, things like natural disasters. And I, I know in, in Europe you're going to talk about that one, but I want to talk about a recent one in Thailand. This was a tsunami that took out an entire town uh, years ago. And this was a town known for child trafficking, the uh, uh, horrible things that they were doing. And when the people did the cleanup and they found all the dead bodies of the town, there were no women. It was only men and young boys. And I thought about this. I said, how did God, I mean, in other words, is it possible, and I think it is, but let's hear your take, that God would use natural disasters to get our attention to say, hey, wait a minute, uh, we were going in the wrong direction and there's some punishment like Sodom and Gomorrah. Am I onto something or is that just too old fashioned? I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I don't think that I would get that specific with it. All right. But if you could, why not? Why not? However, what I think that what I think we're missing is when these natural, we call them natural disasters, right. which they are, when they occur and they're horrific, some of them are horrific. I think it's I really believe that it's God's way of saying, you think you're in charge? <laughs> you, you, think, you think you're in charge of, of, of my world? No, you're not. You're not. And and it's it's always a call back to him. It's like in war, how many people go mass attendance goes up. Yep. In famine, mass attendance goes True. up. Uh, you know, I I've got some of some of the some of the, uh, the the some of the most beautiful people converted back to the Catholic Church during the during the the quote unquote pandemic. Right. Because I continued saying masses mass when when another priest refused. Right. Right and, and right. So during those during those disasters, people become aware viscerally of God's existence and of his importance. Yeah. And I think all of those are a call back to that. We're so sophisticated, so everything. We've got technology, we've got uh, we've got Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. The entire houses are run by you know, let a disaster come along that blocks all of that out. And and see where we are, and, and and watch watch people's response to to God. First of all, atheists who 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 don't believe in God are going to get angry with him. Yes. Well, let me, <laughs> I always love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always love that people who don't people who don't believe in God are <laughs> going to get angry with. Yeah, God. exactly. That is ironic. Right? Now, back in Oct uh, no, October of 1989, if you were in San Francisco, which I think you were in 1989, maybe I'm Was. wrong. They had a large earthquake. You recall that? And uh, many good things came out of that with people uh, oh, helping yes. each other. And I read all kinds of stories. So it seems to me that even when, when we have these natural disasters, God brings a lot of good out of it. Not just the attention of people who say, hey, life is short and eternity is forever. But the generosity of volunteers helping those in need. I, did you see that in the Northern California? Yeah, actually, actually, Tara, I was not there. I was in New York City. Ah, I see. I, do, I didn't remember. I was in New York City. You moved yeah. into the northern part of the Yeah, I just, I just taken over a, a, a Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish in Manhattan. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I met people who from Ignatius who lived up there. In but Manhattan. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, where I was, where, where I was very uh, alive and, yeah. and active. Tell us. I was pastor of, of, uh, of Our Lady of Guadalupe Church on 14th Street in, right, in Greenwich Village. Uh, three blocks away from St. Vincent Hospital. Wow! And I was there for the I was there for the nine eleven uh, for the nine eleven. Oh, you that, were that there. was that was uh, yeah that you, was unbelievable. Wow. That was unbelievable. 
Father, that, tell, uh, I don't think I'll, I well, I don't think I will never forget that. Well, tell us. I'll never forget that disaster. That, that's a man-made one. Yeah, it but was. It, it, it also woke up uh, quite a number of people. And as a priest, I know Father George Rutler uh, told me stories about that also, that the, the anointing of the sick, the going out and, and uh, seeing so many people who were in need. Uh, can you just give us one? Well, you know, what we had well, we had I went I, I finished my masses. It was it was it was a crazy day, just a crazy day. But uh, uh, when I finished the early morning mass, uh, I, I checked the television again. I got on my roof and, and was and was watching the whole thing yeah, happening. Right? Oh so so then I, I ran down to in Cassock yeah. on the streets of New York. I ran down to St. Vincent's Hospital. Yeah. Uh, because I was imagining people being brought in and, you know, body parts, I don't know, whatever it was. It, you didn't know what to think, but your imagination ran wild with possibilities of, of right, to prepare yourself. I got down there, and I'll never forget it. Uh, there were uh, many priests standing at the emergency entrance uh, of St. Vincent Hospital. Wow. At the, the right along with along with Cardinal Egan. Wow. But but they were they were all right. So I I, I look at all of them. I think I'm gonna be the first one over at the hospital. Well, they were already there. And Father, there was a there was a priest who was the chaplain at St. Vincent's. And I would go over to St. Vincent's two and three times a week for all of the uh the people who spoke uh French and Italian and German. The, the foreigners who were in the hospital to, to bring them Holy Communion and talk to them because nobody really could communicate with them, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I believe it. Uh, Sister Alberta, Alberta, God bless her, would, would always give me a list. And I was, I was there at least two, sometimes three and four times a week. But anyway, I looked at this group of, of priests and they're all standing there and the cameras are on them. And the, and the, the uh, chaplain at St. Vincent's, Father Hammer, yeah. a great guy, a great guy, a great guy. He he grabbed me by by the earlobe. <laughs> he said, "He said, what are you doing out here?" So we need help inside. I said, "I said, I'll go where you want me to." I mean, nobody knows what's you know. He said, "Let the rest of them bask in the in the in the in the cameras with the cardinal. They can they can do their their, their movie shot out here. I We've got it. work to do." I love right? it. So he grabbed me and went. And, well, we sure had work to do because Terry. Yes. The entire hospital is full, and half of the hospital, everybody's watching on their televisions the, what's happening to the, the, the World Trade Center. Yeah. But half of the hospital is watching it on the television and then looking out the window. Oh, my gosh. Because it's right there. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's right there. And people are jumping out of buildings, oh, and they're, they're seeing this. Wow. It's, and the entire – I remember I went up to the 15th floor – it was my favorite floor because that's where my mother died, right? Sure. So I had a I had a real uh, I had a real yeah. attachment. I always hit the fifteenth floor to see everybody first. All of the all of the those sure. were sick, and of course go by her room, uh, and say a prayer. Yeah, but that. it was to calm these people down. People were screaming. Wow, you know they're they're sick. Some of them are 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 dying. They're in their their last of, and they're seeing this. There, there was panic and there was no one to talk to them. Yeah. So I'm running around. And, and what are you going to say? What are you saying? Yeah, yeah, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. You know, 
it was it was an awful day. It was an awful it was an awful few days. Yeah. And then uh, things got little by little better. But it was it was terrible. It was terrible. But I did see church attendance up. Yeah, I bet. Way up. How about people going people to confession? Stop, people stopped in. Stop, people stopped in at Our Lady of Guadalupe Church. Yeah. All day long. All day long. All day long. There were there were people I never saw before. Wow. Right. Yeah. And because we were right on the path to a lot of them were, were meeting at the at the armory. So I had to go to the armory also. Imagine to sit down with people who had lost people and they still didn't find them. Oh, they hadn't found tough. them. Yeah, that's tough. Their that's sons, tough. their yeah. brothers, their husbands, right. their wives. Uh, it's tough. And 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 to, and to sit down to sit down with them and, and talk. You know who were who were great too at at that Mother Teresa, uh, the the cardinal, the cardinal called out all the priests. Yes, I saw a few priests. Yeah, I saw a few priests of the diocesan, but the legionaries of Christ. Yeah, were there in force. Awesome. They were there. They were all all of them like like an army, and Good. they were sitting with people and talking. They were fantastic. So I mean, we got through all of that. But when I'm to get back to what we're talking about, disasters, yes, whether they be natural or or man-made. Man they have a way of grabbing our attention. That's right, and goodness can and, come. and and letting us know, letting us know, even if we don't believe in God, they're certainly going to let you know that uh, order, salvation, uh, uh, and and common good is not up to you. Amen. Well, you you have very little to do with it. It's yeah. in somebody else's hands. You know, it's amazing. You have a clear mind for something that took place uh, twenty three years ago. Almost 20 Terry, years ago. Terry, we had uh, the, Our Lady of Guadalupe Rectory. Yeah. I opened it up to the doctors and nurses of St. Vincent's. They couldn't get home. Yeah, I bet. And they had no place to sleep. Incredible. Right. So we had, we got, we got pillows and, and, and blankets. And yeah, it was just, it, well, it, it how was. How far was your parish from the World Trade Center? How many miles? Well, we're on 14th Street. Uh, uh, the World Trade Center is about uh, I don't know I guess I would I would how say much, maybe how much of a 10, walk maybe ten blocks so a, a ten minute walk fifteen minute walk oh yeah ten that, fifteen minute that walk close. yeah that close yeah wow no it was I mean yeah it was it was, it was just along the along the West Side Highway yeah when you were there incredible but you know it's a uh, it, it was those were remarkable times but the disaster element has a way of really calling our attention to what's important. Yeah, that's that's the point, and I think that's the point I'm making about God bringing good out of disaster, whether it's man-made or natural uh, disasters. And it just seems that uh, I, I give you an example. Uh, we see this even on little uh, areas where you got somebody who a little little kid is up on a uh, third th a third story apartment building hanging from uh, the back balcony, and some man gets out of his car, jumps up, climbs. I just saw this. He climbs up. The third story himself just gets up there, grabs the kid, brings him back down and says, oh, here, mom, here's your child. And he gets back in his car and he drive, keeps, continues driving. I, I mean, you know, his guardian <laughs> angel. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. And I think sometimes uh, this is um, actually an opportunity for people to meet God in a real way because uh, all of our things that you talked about, the Internet, um, our, our sporting events, I mean, I, I didn't realize this and this is something that tells me that we're out of out of wax on sports 90% of the podcasts that are on the internet are sports podcasts i was shocked to hear that father murray 
What does that tell us? We know everything about a, about a baseball team, a fo football team, basketball team, but what do we know about the meaning and purpose of life? And it seems that these disasters take a lot of the distractions of this world away and say, you know what? That really doesn't matter. I mean, this is what people have told me when even COVID came in and they realized, you know what? Watching yeah. the Lakers is, is immaterial. It's not even, it doesn't even, I'm just wasting my time. How about, how about if I spend yeah. a little time finding out about my Catholic faith? All right, I hear the music again. When we come back, I want to do the gospel of the day. And we're talking about unborn babies earlier in the segment. Well, this is the day of prayer for legal uh, protection of the unborn children. This is uh, the Monday of the Right to Life weekend. So we want to talk about that and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show with our good friend, Father Charles Murph. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more inspiring you to fall deep in love. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Yes, early in the morning, I'm still getting texts from people asking questions, and I love it. Father Murr, uh, this is the day of prayer for the legal protection of the unborn children. I know you've been up at the Walk for Life in San Francisco, because when you lived there, I bet you you saw a lot of good things happening there. But let's read the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 22 to 30. I have it in front of me, unless you want to read it. Let me read it then. The if you've got it in front of you, go ahead, yeah. Terry. I don't have it in front no of me. No problem. The scribes who had come from Jerusalem said of Jesus, he is possessed by Beelzebul and by the prince of demons. He drives out demons. Summoning them, he began to speak to them in parables. And I love this. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. That is the end of him. But no one can enter a strong man's house to plunder his property unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Amen, I say to you, all sins and all blasphemies that people utter will be forgiven them. But, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an everlasting sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Praise Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I can't wait to hear your explanation of the unforgivable sin. I'm all ears. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I want to hear it. Haven't, haven't I told you that before? Yes, you have. My my opinion. Yeah, I know. It's I, a matter of opinion, sure, right? Sure. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I what I've concluded. Yeah. And I've looked it up. I've looked it up in some of the fathers, mm -hmm. many of the fathers, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. and, and in commentaries. But I came to this conclusion. Tell us. Actually, it's no real surprise because this is the same conclusion that Sheen came to. I know. It. <laughs> All right. Yep. All right. But and and it's this: the unforgivable sin is to believe, to despair. Yes. That there is something that God cannot do. Mm -hmm. And that would be, personally speaking, 
personifying this a little bit, yeah. getting this down to the person. A sin too great for him to, to forgive. Yeah. To believe that your sin is too great for God to forgive is the unforgivable sin. Yeah. Right? Because it is a blasphemy. What you're saying is God is unable to do something. That's right. God is able to do everything. Amen. And you're also despairing. So it's both It's both things. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. I was just remembering the other day, too. Tell us. Uh, I, I so disagree with, uh, with, uh, with Pope Francis uh, when he's talking about the, the, the lack of need for feeling sorrow, mm -hmm. true contrition for your sins. Right. That priests should just forgive people. Uh, anyway, I, I so I completely disagree with that. Of course. Uh, but I remember I remember being one time in a situation where there was a person. Mm -hmm. I don't say who, where, when, or why, but no. came to me and confessed that uh, he couldn't ask for forgiveness because he was unrepentant. Mm -hmm. And and I and. And I, I, I heard the sincerity. I heard the sincerity. It wasn't, it wasn't kidding around. It was absolutely serious. And I'm saying to myself, this is very, very few times in my life have I ever with, withheld uh, absolution. Sure. From, from, you don't want to do that. No. Unless people tell you absolutely they refuse it. Yeah. However, I said to him, do you think you can be sorry that you're not sorry. <laughs> and he said, he thought about it for a moment. He said, well, yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. I said, that's good enough. <laughs> that's, for, me, for me, that's good enough. Yeah. As long as you're sorry that you're not sorry. Yeah. We've got, we've got, a, we've got a, uh, we've got a crack open sure. for, for absolution. Incredible. I, you know, I, God is, God is willing to accept anybody right where he is. Uh, he loves you. Yes, he does. And as you say, Terry, wisely, he loves you so much. He's not going to leave you where, where that, yeah. that place is. He's going to take you to another place. Uh, but he will not, he will not, uh, he will not, he cannot deal with, with people who are saying absolutely no to him. Right. Well said. I, and I think, I think that's, that's the, the unforgivable sin. Also, also, uh, I would be very careful too. Uh, anyone in a leadership position yes. in the Catholic Church, since the Church is guided by the Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. truly guided by the Holy Ghost, be very, very, very careful uh, what you're teaching. That it not be what you think or your teachings, but that it be the Church, the Church's teaching, yeah. the extension of, of what the Church believes, not what you believe. I think that you're getting very close to uh, to burning your feathers, if if you're if uh, you know you're getting very close to burning yourself when you when you uh, want to preach your own gospel, and decide what is right and what is wrong all by yourself. We are not here to do that. We're here to preach Christ Jesus, and He has left us the Church, uh, which is who is who is very wise and has has sound teachings. And I'll even go. I think when we, when we say when I say yeah. I believe this, yeah. that's why I always like to I always like to preface this is my opinion. This right. Is not, Make the distinction. Is, it's my opinion. Right. One thing is my opinion. Another thing is what the church teaches. Right. And I have to I have to respond before God for what the church teaches. And if I teach something contrary to what the church teaches, that is directly against the Holy Spirit. 
And I have to tell you, Father, I'm going to take it to the next step as a layperson. People dressed like you with a Roman collar over my, my own lifetime of 50 years as an adult. I uh, heard many times priests, bishops, and high officials in the church over my lifetime teach things that are not consistent with the teachings of Christ and what we call the perennial teachings or the deposit of faith. And I tell people, and I, I think I'm in good state when I say this, reject that because it's not coming from God. We know we can, judge, right. we can judge the teachings of the church by what it's always taught, not by some new confangled, I got a better idea person. Per Terry, what does is, what is St. Saint, Saint Paul say? If an angel comes down from heaven and teaches you contrary to what you just heard here, yep. reject it. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So that's why I say to give people solace in the sense of always go back to what the church has always taught when it's moral teachings of the church. And I'm just going to take it to the next gear, and I'm, I'm probably imprudent, but that's been sometimes, I think at this stage of the game right now of my life, you know, I'm going to say it like it is. And, and that is, um, even if the highest official, which would be the Pope, the vigor of Christ, he's not the, he's, he's the vigor of Christ, not the superior of Christ, but if he taught something like, for example, when it's questions on homosexuality, so some ambiguity here, or that it's okay, even if the church, we have cardinals saying that, we have to humbly reject that as not coming from God, uh, even high officials in the church, all the way to the top, we have to reject anything that's not inconsistent. That's that's inconsistent with what the church is always taught. Now, that should give all of our listeners clarity and say, "Well, I'm not confused now. I I know what the deposit of faith is. So you know what? Live a holy life, and you know just remember, Father Charles Murray, Terry Barber will not be there at your judgment. Pope Francis won't be there. None of me. It's going to be with Jesus Christ. And remember what the gospel said." About all will come about. In other words, there's no nothing that was said will be unhid will be hidden. Everything's going to be all out there. So I just think uh, my bottom line here, Father Merton, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's all about living a holy life in union with Jesus Christ, and not worry too much about priests, bishops, cardinals, and the popes. Even if they're saying things that are contrary to the perennial teachings of the church, you pray for them, but don't lose your peace over. Some cardinal saying that science has proven now that homosexuality is okay. I'm like, really? And we have a cardinal saying that. So here's the point. Don't let that confuse you. You should know your faith well today to be strong. And, and, other, and, other, scientists, and other scientists are proving that some cardinals need to go on a, on a sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I have to tell you, yeah, I won't even get down to that road because, I, boy, I'm going to be— Father Murr, let me just take this. I'm going to shift gears back to the. You're a wise man, you Jerry. Where I was going. A wise yeah, man. yeah, yeah. You know where I was going. I want to open up our book to the life of Christ so we can get some reflections by what I consider a saintly man. And I know the church has got his cause up for beatification. And we all know that uh, there are people inside the church who aren't too happy about Bishop Sheen being beatified. And I think it's, it's pretty obvious why. But. We keep reading the readings of, Ful of uh, Fulton Sheen. Why? Because the life of Christ is centered on Jesus Christ. You get to know Jesus better. Is there anything better than that? No, nothing. You know, Terry, there's, there's something too. With, with this, this is why I, I, I had all of the converts that, that I've ever given classes to. Yeah. 
the 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 catechism and the life of Christ were, the, were two major sure, texts of Sheen's. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I knew that if they knew Jesus Christ, if they knew Jesus Christ really truly, yeah, you know what's right and wrong right. after that. Right. Well, that's you just nailed. You, it. you just you know what you know how you're supposed to be walking. Yeah, and and you know, Father, to be quite frank, and I'll be, I'm going to really say something here to our listener listeners that uh, will hit us. When scandal comes in the faith, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally, it will tear you apart and even make you want to leave. But here's the sure. key. Here's the key. We haven't catechized people today, and I hear this a lot, where people are saying, well, I don't believe the church is the true church. I don't believe. I mean, look at all the uh, horrible things that are going on in the Catholic Church. And they use it as an excuse to do what they want and center themselves on me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, and that's justification. But i got to tell them, when it comes to judgment, that won't hold water because Jesus no. Christ is going to ask you a question. Did you love me? Hey, we got the music coming. We'll come back. We'll get to the life of Christ for the last segment. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murrow on a Monday. And as I said, this is a, a great Monday, the day of prayer for the legal protection of the unborn babies. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Actually, it's Father Charles Murr, Terry Barber here on this Monday, and we're now opening up our book, To the Life of Christ, by Bishop Fulton Sheen. Uh, my copy is on the Word of Fire Classics. You can get it from Bishop Barron's organization. And I'm on the topic of Nazareth, because here we are still in the Christmas season, uh, you know, so I want to talk about that. Uh, he said, this, this is what Bishop Sheen said, this is the only incident of his boyhood told in the scriptures for the next 18 years he stayed in Nazareth. Good point. Eric, here's what he says. He went down with them on their journey to Nazareth and lived there in subjection to them while his mother kept in her heart the memory of all of this. And so Jesus advanced in wisdom and with years and in favor both with God and man. That's taken right from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 51. And I love this paragraph. He says, If there was ever a son who might have been expected to claim personal independence, especially after his powerful affirmation in the temple, it was he! And yet, to sanctify and exemplify human obedience and to make up for the disobedience of man, he lived under a humble roof, obedient to his parents. For 18 uneventful years, he fixed the flat roofs of Nazareth's homes, mended the wagons of the farmers. Every mean and lonely task was part of the father's business. Human development of God manfold unfolded in the village so naturally that not even the townspeople were conscious of the greatness of him who dwelled in their midst. It was indeed a going down in the sense that it was self-denial, self-abnegation for him to submit himself to his own creatures. Wow. 
He evidently followed the trade of a carpenter, for 18 years later, the townspeople were to ask, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Father Murr, when I pray the rosary, what meditations can Bishop Sheen add to my meditation? This is good stuff. Oh, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But, you know, there's there's always, I, I, I always love the figure of Mary, how she plays to the life of Christ. Yes. Uh, and it's, and it's, you remember a, a few weeks ago, we had Simeon, that's mm-hmm. the child. And, and he said to, he said to the blessed virgin, he said to the child's mother, Mary, uh, and this is important uh, because it's not in our Latin text. Mm. For some reason, St. Jerome uh, didn't translate it. Yeah. He didn't put this word in it. It's a very important word. The word is also. Uh-huh. The word is also. And it says, Simeon said to, to Mary, taking the child in his arms, he said, this child is is here, is, was, is among us, to be a sign of contradiction, mm-hmm. rise and fall of many in Israel. And he looked at her yeah. and he said to her, and through your heart also will pass a sword. Yes. Huh? Also. Well, what do you mean also? <laughs> well, what he was talking about is the lance that's going to pierce the, 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 the heart of Christ. Yes. And you can and you can be sure that at that moment a lance pierced her heart. Wow. Right? Watching that. Yeah. But it, he says this also here. Is this not the carpenter's son, the son of Mary? Now, just jump here for a second. Okay. This isn't a, isn't a big leap, but stop and think. Yes. Especially those who have trouble with, with Mary, yes. with the figure of Mary. They get they have trouble. I don't know. I've never had trouble with it, but I guess yeah. a lot of people do. Yeah. What kind of a woman must she have been? Let me back up and say it even stronger. What kind of a woman must Christ must Christ have put together to be his mother? Beautiful. That he would be obedient to her. Yes. This is this is incredible. It is incredible. He obeyed, he obeyed this woman well into his adult life. Yep. Until his public ministry. Right. So what kind of a woman must she have been that God obeyed her? It's incredible. This is this is fantastic. All right. Incredible, incredible. Well that's a good insight there, Father. Um when um Mark chapter six verse three, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? I, I that verse got me a little bit too when I was thinking about that. Um, you know, like the people still didn't get figure it out who he was, and um, they just couldn't get grasp that something you know good could come from Nazareth. You know that that verse in the Bible, and it always puzzles me that 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 hidden life was done so hidden. I mean, in other words, people could live in the community and not know that this was the Son of God. Harry, you go out and, and visit sick people. I do all the time. Yes, I do. So do I. Yeah. And in most of them, most of the sick that I've visited, sick and dying, yeah. most of them are not wealthy people. No. Most of them are actually very poor mm-hmm. financially. Yes. Uh, I have never walked away 
not understanding or not realizing that I just had an encounter with Christ. Yeah, that's true. And you know that, you know that because we feel it. We feel it. Well, that's, you know, the world wouldn't understand that because the world is looking for uh, something on top of a mountain. Mm. Uh, uh, The the glory, this, no, we, we, we pass by Christ daily. Yes. We pass by Christ daily on the street. We, 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 we see him. We have the opportunity, especially in sickness and in, and in ill health. Yeah. Uh, we have the opportunity to sit down and talk to, talk with him. But it's always an encounter with Christ. Yes. You know, you know Father, I have to tell you, uh, one of my great opportunities in life now is with having a grandchild and a granddaughter. And I go to the park. But you're not old enough to. Yes, I am, Father. I, I go to the park with my wife with the children about three or four times a week, maybe even more, sometimes almost every day in the week, in the afternoons, to let them play on the playground. And I run into the most interesting people, but that's the attitude I have. Okay, Jesus, who do you want me to meet today? And there you, you go. Know, and yes. there was a, a woman there to yesterday that— it's a short story, but it it, it conveys it. She she I, I said, well, how old is your daughter? You know, she's a little cute four year old going down the slide. And, you know, just we're having a nice talk, and and um, I said to her, uh, do you have other children? Or is this your only one? Or your first? And she says, oh, and the last. We we're not having any more. I said, really? Can can you? Because now I'm befriending her. She's she she thinks I'm a good guy, and she says to me. Uh, yeah, no, we're not having any more. I said, well, can, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, I'm 67 years old. I said, I've had six children. I've got grandchildren now. i got to tell you, I, I don't want you to miss the joy of having children in your life other than one. And your daughter is going to be so happy that you brought another son or a daughter uh, uh, for her to play with. And when you get to be as old as I am, trust me, Trust me, it'll happen. You know, you will get old. And she's a beautiful woman. I mean, sure. I, I, young woman. And I said, talk to your husband and see if you guys would be open to having another child. Because I'm going to tell you, it's the greatest gift you can have for giving not only to your husband, uh, but to your daughter. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I'll think about that. I'll think about that. And then good, she said to good, me, good. she said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, whatever you want. I'm thinking, man, what's she going to ask me? She, she says to me, you know, you uh-huh. seem so happy. You seem so joyful. Do you think that your grandchildren have anything about helping you stay energetic? Because you're the most energetic guy I've ever met, she said, for 67 well, years. Well, she, she's right with that one. <laughs> she's right with that observation. So I said, well, you know what? I think it does. I say, I'll tell you why. Because when you serve... And when you serve your family, you do stay young because God gives you the energy and the love to serve the family. That's where your joy comes from. It's not The world's going to tell you it's all about me. And so she looked at me and said, I think you're right. <laughs> well, I said, that's just my opinion. I said, I'm just telling you what my, you know, I know the meaning and purpose of life. I never talked to her about God, Father Murr. Never once. I just... Well, I, th- I think I, I I think that that's wise. Yeah. I think that that is the that is the right approach. Yeah. Because when you start talking about oh. God, people think that you're hitting them on the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't oh, look if you just take natural reason. Sure. It'll get you to God. 
Yeah. Build on it. I we'll get you there. Father, there, you know, there's something too, Terry. Don't you think that at the end of time? Yes. I I fasten. I I I, I fantasize about this. I really do. Let's hear. It. At the end of time on yeah. Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've got a lot to answer. Me for. too. I've got a lot to answer for in my life, but I think on Judgment Day. I can imagine all of the people that I've met in life that because they're going to be there. Yeah. In the public judgment. Sure. And and our Lord is going to ask me, who's that? And I'm going to say, Well, that's Tom the mechanic. And who's that? And I'll say, That's that's Bob of uh, the dentist. Mm-hmm. And who's that? That's Mary, the one who sells Sherbert down on the, uh, the seashore. <laughs> and, and and the thing is. He's going to say, well, yes, yes, yes. And no, but you had encounters with me through each of these people. Is this not the son of Mary? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Right? (laughs) I I, 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 I envision that. I envision that. Good insight. Father, tell us a little bit about the update on your books and how people can. Oh, what can I tell you about my books? They're they're coming. I, I was going to say slowly, but surely. All I can say for sure is that slowly. Yes. But tell us <laughs> how people can get the books and the, like some of the titles. They can go right to my website, which is www.charlesmurr, Yep. C-H-A-R-L-E-S-M-U-R-R.com. Mm-hmm. Or Good. just go to charlesmurr.com. And Father... The- and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a section that says books. Mm-hmm. You can get them right there. And also there's some, some good articles and... Uh, I think a lot of good stuff. A lot of a lot of pictures. What I'm very happy about, Terry, I got all of these pictures from the orphanage from, <laughs> oh, from years ago. And all of these kids who are the, you know what's crazy, Terry, my my kids from the orphanage uh, are just a little bit younger than you. Unbelievable. And the and the I mean so the older ones. Yeah. And their grandfathers and grandmothers already, right? So and they and they didn't have they didn't have photographs of themselves. Growing wow. up. Wow. Now they've got them. Now That's they've got so them. Neat. They can go to the website. Awesome. And they know that. <laughs> but, I get letters from them all the time. We've got to talk about that but, next week. Father Murr, what state should we be living in? Kentucky. Kentucky. Nope, not that one. State of Grace. State of Grace. The all state right. of Grace. Got it. Thanks again, Father Murr, for sharing the gospel with us along with Thank Mr. You, Terry. and Jay Sheen. Thank you, our listeners, who are supporting us here at Virgin most powerful radio. May God richly bless you and your family.